Well, hello. My name is Joshua Walters. I'm one of the pastors here at the Long Point campus. I'd love to welcome you this weekend if you're joining us online or in one of the venues or at an off-site campus. We are glad that you are here to worship with us this weekend. I'd like to give a special shout-out to Seth Ferrier. He was a longtime volunteer at our Somerville campus who recently came on board to be the minister for Seacoast Online. Been pretty exciting what he's gotten to do over the last few weeks. He's connected with hundreds of leaders all over the world, several home church leaders in Maine and in Germany. And uh, oddly enough, several folks who live within walking distance of the Long Point campus. That's different. <laughs> so we would love to invite you to join us sometime if you ever run out of grapes or, or bread or grape juice at your house. We even have a gluten-free communion station, so love to have you in the house at any time. I want to say thank you to Pastor Greg and Pastor Josh just for giving me the opportunity to speak this weekend. It is such a blessing to serve under leaders that you want to model your life after, so I'm so thankful for those guys. Well, we're kicking off a new series today that we're going to be in for the next three weeks called Jonah. So I'd like to start off to set the table for you just a little bit. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the story. Jonah was a prophet of God, a Gentile, called to the Assyrian nation of Nineveh to preach to bring them a message of repentance. Uh, Getting him there, however, would prove to be a problem. Jonah did not want to go, so he ran from the Lord, going the opposite direction. He boarded a ship where ultimately he'd be thrown overboard, swallowed by a whale, at which point he realized it may be a good idea for me to, to respond in obedience to the Lord. He came to a place of repentance upon which he was spit out on shore. In chapter 2, we have what is known as Jonah's song. It's essentially a psalm of praise, a vow of offering to the Lord, saying that he will walk in obedience to him. That song is actually sung by Jonah's brothers. Uh, They're not actually mentioned in the text. However, most most scholars are certain there's got to be some kind of, of parallel there. Maybe not. Jonah would uh, go on to Nineveh, he would preach this message of repentance and see a revival unlike the world had ever seen. Hundreds of thousands of people repent, put on sackcloth and turn to the Lord only to leave the prophet defeated and discouraged because of the grace and compassion of God that's been extended to these enemies of Israel. So that's the storyline this week. We're going to focus on the beginning of chapter 1, which essentially means that this week we will be chewed up, next week we'll be spit out, and then in week 3 we'll have revival. So I'm thinking it's going to be a powerful series. Let me, uh, let me pray for us and we will get started. Father, I thank you, God, for this week, and I'm thankful for every person that's here, whether they're joining us online or in a venue or at another campus Father, I'm believing, God, that you want to meet with us this morning, that you have a new word, a fresh word for us. God, whether we're walking with you or running from you, Lord, we just open our hearts and minds and invite you into this place today. We're excited, God, to see what you do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. I will never forget the four words that changed my life. Katie was living in the Tamarind Apartments off of Greystone Boulevard in Columbia, and I had brought her flowers before, but never anything like this. Hundreds of them all over her apartment. I had written down and and rehearsed and even said in the mirror the things that I was going to say, but I still didn't have a clue how it was going to come out. Actually, very similar to this moment right now, just so we're all on the same page. (laughs) Um, I went and picked her up from work. I was smiling on the inside, on the outside, on the inside. I felt like I'm going to pass out. I'm definitely going to pass out. I walk her into her house, and initially she just thought, like, wow, this is a lot more roses than normal, you know? And so I walk her across the living room, and uh, she sits down on the couch, at which I walk back across the room to pick up one rose in particular. 
I had uh, worked a ring up to the top of the rows, kind of over the branches without breaking any of them. And just as I pick up the rows and turn around, that's when it happened. Uh, pretty much all the color left my face. My hands started shaking. I started sweating real bad. My voice was cracking. <laughs> and so I make my way over to her. And just as I get to her to get down on a knee, she realizes something is awfully wrong with him. And so she gets down on a knee beside me. <laughs> saying, are you, are you okay? Is something wrong? And I'm thinking, man, I've rehearsed this thing 50 times and not once has she been on a knee with me. <laughs> it doesn't look like this in the movies. You're not, you're supposed to be sitting down. So it's like, all right, we'll roll with it. And so I said, Katie, I, uh, I don't have a lot of money. I have no idea why that was the first thing that came out. <laughs> It wasn't in the script. Um, the reality was we're in college and I didn't have any money. It just felt like something I needed to say. But I told her that, uh, that I didn't know what our future looked like. I didn't know where the Lord would take us or what he would do through us. But one thing I knew is that if we lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledged him, that he would make our path straight. And so then I let go of the ring and it slid down the stem. You see the straight stem, straight pass? That was the thing in there. So then I said, Katie... Will you marry me? So that was the moment. It's the best I, best I had. Powerful thing. I, uh, I, still, I still wish to this day she would have said yes, but I was happy. That, uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but words, words have the power to change our lives. I think about phrases like that. Will you marry me? Or we're having a baby. Or we're having a boy. Or we're having a girl. We're having our fourth girl. <laughs> or you're hired, you're fired. I'm sorry, Mr. Walters. We lost him. We lost her. It's cancer. Words have the power to change and in many ways define your life. If a word from a loved one or a stranger can have that kind of impact on our lives, can you imagine the life change? Can you imagine the transformation that we could experience in receiving a word from the Lord? His words have the power to bring life into dead places, to bring light into dark places. His word sustains those in need and gives direction to the lost. His words change lives. All throughout Scripture, we see men and women who have received vision and purpose for their lives in receiving just a word from the Lord. I think about men like Abraham when God met him and said, I want you to pack up all of your belongings and all of your family and go to a place that I will show you. Or when God appeared before Moses in the burning bush and said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. I think about Jesus when he was with the disciples. He said, who do people say that I am? And upon hearing Peter's response, Jesus says, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. I think about Saul as he's walking up the road to Damascus when the Lord meets him in a bright light and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? His words gave their lives purpose and direction. This was no different for the prophet Jonah. He was a man chosen by God to communicate a word to a people who were far from God. The Bible doesn't give us any additional background or information on the man or on his journey with the Lord. But this one word from God would prove to be the content for this book and ultimately determine the legacy that he would leave. I was excited to jump into the story with us this weekend, but as I read and reread and prayed through the passage, the Lord would not let me get past the verse verse. This story of, of rescue and redemption for hundreds of thousands of people starts like this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The question for us today 
thing we have to think through is what if the same God who spoke to Jonah wants to speak to you as well? What if he has a word that he's wanting to speak into your life? I believe that he does. I believe that this weekend, if your heart will be open to it, if your mind will be open to hearing from him, that he has a new word, a fresh word that he was like to speak into you. Another way of saying that would be, if you don't get anything out of this message this weekend, that's your fault. <laughs> you got to own that, okay? Now, the question is, will you hear it and will you respond to it? This weekend, we're going to look at the story of Jonah to see what we can learn from him, what we can take away regarding the word of the Lord. This is the first thing that I know. The word of the Lord will come whether I am ready or not. The word of the Lord will come whether I am ready or not. Knowing how he would respond, the Lord spoke. Knowing how it was going to inconvenience the sailors, all of their cargo, and ultimately God's prophet being thrown overboard, the Lord spoke. Knowing the amount of care and coaching and attention it was going to take on God's behalf for Jonah to fulfill the word of the Lord, he still spoke. When I was in college, I was pretty involved in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, more because I was a Christian and not because I was an athlete. We won't talk anymore about that. But one weekend, we were on a retreat, and we heard about this event called One Day. And uh, as soon as I heard about it, I felt like there was going to be a mighty move of God there for college students, and God was calling me to raise awareness about it. And so uh, it was kind of like a Christian Woodstock without all of the elements. And so I felt like I was supposed to get people there. And so I told a few of my guy friends about it. Hey, I feel like God's called me to ride a bicycle to this thing, to raise awareness about it. Well, there were several major problems here. The first of which was that I didn't own a bike. And so that's kind of an issue. Second of which was that it was 750 miles away, which brings us to the third problem, not having a bike. I wasn't near enough in shape to do something crazy like this. And so Two of my friends said, yeah, man, we'll do that with you. And so we went to a cycle center in Columbia and said, hey, we feel like God's calling us to ride bikes to this event. There's going to be a mighty move of God among college students, but we don't have any bikes. Would you be willing to hook us up? And the guy said, well, our Cannondale rep is actually coming tomorrow. I'll throw it out to him and just see what he thinks. And so the guy called me the next day and said, hey, Cannondale said they'd love to get behind that. They got three bikes for you. I was like, wow, Cannondale bikes. Those are nice are nice bikes. So then like, like any college student, our next question was, well, what are we going to eat? Right. And so we went to Chick-fil-A and said, Hey, we feel like God's called us to ride bikes to this event. There's going to be a mighty move of God, but we don't have any food. Would you be willing to, to hook us up? And they said, sure, we'll give you coupons for 250 free Chick-fil-A sandwiches. 250 Chick-fil-A sandwiches. for three college guys. That's enough food for like a week. It doesn't matter what meal. You just put it in a cooler and pull it out. And so we're just amazed. Man, that's incredible. So excited. So then we thought, well, where are we going to stay? You know, and so we went to Lifeway Christian Bookstore and said, hey, we feel like God's called us to ride bikes to this event. Um, we've got some bikes. We've got some food, but we don't have anywhere to stay. Would you be willing to help us out with our lodging? And they said, sure, we'll line up churches for you to speak at along the way, as well as Lifeway stores to help you raise awareness. And we'll even give you this big banner a big one-day banner to help you raise awareness. And I was like, wow, praise God. That's exactly what we felt called to do. So here's the parallel. Jonah knew exactly what to say. He had the ability to do it, yet he refused to walk in obedience. I didn't have the skills or resources, nor was I in the shape to do what God was calling me to, but I was willing to go and do it. The lesson for us to learn here from Jonah, the lesson in my story and in your story, is that God's desire to speak into your life has more to do with his character, his love for you, than our skills, resources, or readiness. I'm going to say that again. 
The lesson for us to learn here from Jonah, the lesson in my story and in yours, is that God's desire to speak into your life has more to do with his character, his love for you, than our skills, resources, or readiness. The word of the Lord will come whether you are ready or not. Thinking about that makes me question how many times I may have missed a word from the Lord because I assumed that he wouldn't want to speak to me or that I wasn't worthy in some way to hear from him. Have you ever had a season where maybe life's just gotten busy? Uh, You went on vacation and then family came in town and one thing led to another and, and you had missed church for three or four weeks and just felt far from God. Something happened in your life and you're like, man, I really need to know what God would have for me. But you just felt like he wouldn't want to speak to me. Maybe school started back up and rec league sports and homework and family and the summer ending and you had kind of started reading your Bible some, but now it's been a few weeks and and reading the Bible and prayer just isn't a priority for you and and you need and want to hear from the Lord, but just feel like, ah, I'm just not worthy. He wouldn't want to speak to me. I'm encouraged by stories like the Apostle Paul's that while he had given his life fully to the persecuting and killing of Christians that God spoke to him. Be encouraged today in knowing that whether you're ready or not, Whether you're walking with him or running from him, the word of the Lord has the ability to come to you. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, his word has the ability to bring breakthrough and give vision to your life. His word is trustworthy and true. It's actually an extension of himself. It's why we read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave. While we were in sin, he gave his son. Why would receiving his word today and responding in obedience to his voice be any different? Wherever you are and whatever you're going through, he wants to bring a new word, a fresh word to you. Look at these verses on your outline sheet. Second Samuel 22 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Not only is his word perfect, it protects. Matthew 4, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It sustains. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. It purifies. Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It guides. What we see in the book of Jonah is a God who is just as passionate about the messenger as he is the message. Which leads us to the second point. Often, the word of the Lord has to change me before it can change others. Often, the word of the Lord has to change me before it can change others. Now, if I was God, and there's one way to know that we're heading down a dangerous path. (laughs) Don't ask that question. If I was God and I had a message to communicate to a people who were far from me, I would look for a man or a woman that could do it as quickly and effectively as possible. So the question for us then is, why did God choose Jonah? Why did God choose Jonah? The word came in this passage is very interesting to me. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and in Hebrew there's actually several different translations for the word came each of which when we read in English just say came. For example, in Genesis 8, when Noah released the dove to go and see if the floodwaters had receded and it came back to him, that word literally means to go and fetch. Or in Genesis 11, when God came down to see the Tower of Babel, that word literally means to descend from a high place. But the word that's used in Jonah 1.1 is used 334 times in Scripture and is emphatic every single time. And it means to be or become. God was telling Jonah that I don't want you to just go and communicate this message. I want you to go and become the message. It was something that had to happen in him before it could happen to others. 
The word of the Lord came to Jonah and God's man. And in verse 2, it says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. God asked Jonah, a Jew, to go to a Gentile nation who was an enemy of Israel and deliver a word of repentance, knowing that God was a God of grace and compassion. It would be like recently there was a, uh, an attempted assassination on a um, Saudi Arabian diplomat in Washington. And U.S. officials believe that in some way the Iranian government was responsible for the assassination. assassination. It would be like if you were that Saudi Arabian diplomat. And Saudi Arabian officials said, you know what, we're really sorry. I'm sure that was a scary experience for you and your family. That said, we don't have anyone on the ground in Iran right now, and we're really concerned about the political climate. We would love to send you and your family there. Sorry about that. Well, that's what God has done to Jonah here. There was thousands of people all around him who didn't like him or what he stood for. Unwilling to do it, Jonah ran. God called a man who was running from God to go to a people who were running from God. God called a man that he had brought to a place of repentance so that he could go and bring a message of repentance. Jonah could not export what he hadn't imported. He had to own the message. Scripture speaks to the work that the Lord did in Jonah in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. All of us who call ourselves Christ followers are ambassadors for Christ, representatives of the King, and we carry a truth, the Bible tells us, that will not return void. If you've received a word from the Lord, something that he spoke into your life, something that you've gleaned from his word, something that you feel called to do, we all have to be open to the idea that the word of the Lord may want to bring about a change in me before he brings about a change in those that I feel called to minister to. The word of the Lord will come whether you are ready or not. Often it will change me before it changes others. And lastly, all of creation responds in obedience to the word of the Lord except us. We tend to think about a book of, the book of Jonah as one where everything goes wrong, when in reality everything functioned exactly as God had created it to, except us. In chapter 1, the Lord spoke to the wind and it blew. He goes on to speak to a fish and it swallows Jonah up. The word of the Lord comes to the fish again and it spits him out. In chapter 4, the word of the Lord comes to a vine and it grew. The word of the Lord comes to a worm and he goes to eat the vine. But the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and he ran. We're fascinated, amazed even, that creation would respond to the voice of its creator, yet seldom do we stop or slow down enough to ask, why don't I? The disciples were no different. In Matthew 8, they were in a boat with Jesus when a furious storm comes over the water. Water's gushing up, waves are crashing over the boat, and they are losing it. Jesus, save us! You know, they're scared to death. The Lord gets up and says, Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Psalm 135, 7 says, He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out wind from his storehouses. I think about the Creator God in Genesis 1 speaking light into being, calling all of the water in the sky into one place and rising up dry ground and calling it land, speaking into being all of the creatures of the sea and land and birds of the air, 
And then in Genesis 1.26, God says, Let us make man in our image and our likeness and let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over livestock and over all of the earth, over all, crea- over all creatures that move along the ground. And then slowly, instead of standing in awe of the Creator God and all He had done, man becomes fixated on the power and dominion that He had been given. How could we fail to respond to the Word of the Lord? Because something in us is convinced that we have a better way. It's the same lie that Eve believed in the garden. It's the same lie that Jonah believed in running from the Lord. And it's the same lie that we're tempted to believe today. So that's what I know about the Word of the Lord. It will come whether you are ready or not. Often it will change me before it changes others. And lastly, it receives obedience from all of creation except us. So back to the original thought or question for us today. What if the same God who spoke to Jonah has a new word, a fresh word that he's wanting to speak into your life as well? What can we do as a body, as believers, to ensure that we receive and respond in obedience to the word that he has for us? Three things. First of which is to listen to the shepherd's voice. Listen to the shepherd's voice. One of the metaphors used in Scripture for how we are to function as a body, what our church experiences to be like, is that of a flock following after a shepherd. John ten twenty seven says it this way. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. For some of you today, the word of the Lord, the question that he's wanting you to answer is, do you know him? Could John 10.27 be said of you? I can't think of anything more, more powerful or sweeter to have the Lord say of me. Josh listens to my voice. I know him. He follows me. For some of you today, in, in hearing that, you're like, oh, I just don't know. I don't know that I'm one of his sheep. I don't know that I've ever really heard his voice. And so today, your next step may well be to surrender your life to Him, to listen to His voice. Maybe there's been a whisper that won't go away. And today's your day to respond to it, to surrender your life, to give yourself fully over to Him. So listen to the shepherd's voice. The second thing that we can do is learn His way. Learn His way. You may have been going through life looking for your burning bush or fishing for your whale, and it just hasn't come yet. You've been praying and asking God, is this really what you have for me? Is this job, is this relationship, is, is he the one, is she the one? Some of you may actually feel like you've never actually heard the word of the Lord come to you. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In Christ we were giving, given the word of the Lord in bodily form as a man that he would show us how to live. You see, Jonah was a prophet and he had a unique way, a special way of listening to God. But the reality is that's true for all of us. I have a friend who was spending time with his wife out on a dock, watching the sun come up, spending time with the Lord, when two dolphins swam by and just kind of sat up right there before him. And they sensed the word of the Lord just blessing and affirming what they were putting their hands to. Pastor Jason was approaching a fast he didn't want to do recently, and uh, he was spending time with the Lord out on the dock and praying about it, and he sensed the Lord's presence around him and got up to see that he was surrounded by bait fish. If I tried to have a quiet time on a dock, I'd be snoring before I heard anything from the Lord. The water and the waves, and I'd be out. For some of you, it may be in your house. It may be outside. It may be with music on or with music off. But how you connect with the Father is something that's that's totally unique to you. But the one thing, the one thing we have that Jonah didn't is the written word of God. 
Second Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. In our knowledge of Him, the way He lived, the words He spoke, the man He was, we have everything that we need. There's more truth in this book than we'll ever be able to live out. For some of you today saying that you just don't ever feel like you've gotten a word from the Lord, here it is, several truths for you. Matthew 6, says, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When you come to a place of hardship in your life, whether it's financial or relational, or if there's something in your life that you just don't have a solution to and you don't know how to solve, what's the first thing you do? Do you get out your cell phone to phone a friend? Do you get out a newspaper and see if you can find a part-time job to fill the little bit of margin you have in your life to try to make enough money to make ends meet? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first His kingdom. That our first step, that the first thing that we do would be to turn to Him. I was scared to death before I walked up here to speak this morning because my throat was dry and I thought, God, I need some water. I'm not going to be able to talk. And I was like, oh yeah, you have power over my body. Please, God, (laughs) moisten my throat. What's the first thing you do and whatever the need is? His word says, seek first His kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And what what a truth to try to live out. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for us. The interesting thing about this passage is that the Bible tells us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This tells me, husbands, that whether or not you think your wife deserves it, if she can run a home the way you like it, if she can cook a meal or not, if she can keep control of your kids or your schedules, you are to lay your life down for her. That if anything, she should wake up in the morning knowing that she is treasured and loved. That she is a woman that you should literally waste yourself on. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. In the same way, Ephesians 5.33, wives, respect your husbands. That doesn't mean if he's employed or unemployed, if he has an anger issue, if he has too many hobbies, if he spends too much time on his hobbies, if he watches TV too much. It's not conditional. Wives, respect your husbands. I can't imagine the number of of marital issues or problems in our lives that would be resolved if we as a people lived out those truths. In marriage, if we as a couple came together and sought first His kingdom, if we loved our wives as Christ loved the church, if we respected our husbands, there is more truth wherever you are in life, whatever season you're in, there's more truth in this book than you'll ever be able to live out. Lastly, live out His word. Live out His Word. For some of you today, in hearing this message and in thinking about uh, receiving a word from the Lord, there's, there's names or places or uh, missions. There's things that come to mind for you that you think, you know what, I kind of I feel like God's called me to go and do that. Maybe a person that you're supposed to share your faith with or some, tor- some sort of, of mission or ministry that you're supposed to start. But as you look at your life, you say, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, I don't have the time to make that happen. And today you need to hear 1 Thessalonians 5.24 that the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. The one who calls you is faithful. The Bible tells us that he equips the called. He is a God that will make a way when there is no way. Whatever it is that he's called you to, you can have confidence, not in yourself, 
because you don't have the ability to make it happen. But we serve and are in relationship with the creator of the world who knit you together, who knows you, and who will equip you to do the things that he's called you to. Can you imagine what it would be like as a church if we became those people? If we listened to the shepherd's voice, if we learned his way and we lived it out, we would be a peculiar people. People would look at us and see something different about us, something beautiful and attractive, something that they wanted. They would see us and take note that we had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the book of John. And we're thankful that the word of the Lord came to him. God, I'm thankful in your love for us that, God, you had a, a truth for Jonah to wrestle with. Father, that you brought those sailors into a relationship with you. God, that you saved hundreds of thousands of people. If there's anything that screams to me from this text, it is of your great love for us. Father, I pray that wherever we are this morning, if we are walking in stride with you, or if our heart has just carried us away from you, Father, that we would come face to face and do business with you this morning. God, meet us now as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen.